0: Welcome to the Fozcast, everybody. You love the episode that we did a couple of weeks ago with the left-back lunatic himself, Paul Robinson. So he is back once again. We put a post out on Instagram a couple of days ago, uh, basically garnering your questions. We want you to ask us the questions that have been burning in the back of your minds, and we will therefore go ahead and answer them. We'll talk about them. We'll try and shed a little bit of light on what goes on behind the scenes at a football club. Robbo, how are we, my mate? All good, thank you. You're looking um you're looking sprightly for a Monday <laughs> morning, mate. Tomasi, how are you, pal? Wonderful, mate. We good to go? We are good to go. Right, hit us off with the first question that you lot have been sending. Right,
1: me. okay. First question is from Leon McKee. If you could do your career all over again, would you do anything differently? Robbo, we'll start with you. Oh,
2: that's a really good question to start the morning mm, off. Um, yeah. Diving into the deep end? Yes.
1: Uh,
2: no, I wouldn't because I thought my pathway was was right for me. Growing up as a kid, obviously the mentors I had put me in good stead for the uh, for the future in, in where I ended up. Um, but yeah, I think no, I, I'm happy with what happened in my career. Yeah, really and, good. and who were your mentors? So I had Graham Taylor and Kenny Jackett was my youth oh, team wow. youth team manager growing up as a kid um obviously John McDermott as well a little bit now Luther Blissett. um so they, cool. they Tom Wally so they were the people I was growing up around as a That's as a some young lad at, in that, at, that at is Womford, a great yeah. start
0: to a football career having them, them kind of guys about yeah it, isn't so it? for me yeah, that was
2: the, it was the perfect upbringing for me
0: oh mate i love that um, what about you Ben yeah I I, I I always used to say that i would ne- i'd never regret anything or i've never sort of um wish it any differently but i think I think looking back now, I think if I could if I could have been the same in my twenties as what I was in my thirties, I think I would have had a much better career. I had a much happier career as well. I think I only really became kind of um like happy in myself as a person in my thirties, if that makes sense. You know, I'm a bit more confident, a bit more just, just comfortable in my own skin really. And I think if I'd have had that in the early part of my career, um, especially in the twenties, I think I would have just I'd have really enjoyed it a lot more, and I'd have just been so much more confident to sort of go, no, I'm, I'm doing this, and I, and I, and I trust myself and believe myself. Do you, do you
1: myself. think that was because your route into football was a bit different? You yes. didn't really have talk about mentors. Yeah. You didn't have that because you exactly. went straight to Stoke at what 16, 17, 18, 18. 18, yeah,
0: and then. Off you go. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the. You don't the, know what you don't know. Exactly. I didn't know the basics of being a footballer. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have that foundation. That bringing that up grounding. in it grounding yeah. in that football world to understand how it went. So I had to learn it all by myself, and it, it took years—literally years and years and years. It, you, you could talk about anything—the way that you you're living at home, your lifestyle, your professionalism, what's expected of you—and I didn't know any of that. So I think if I if I would have had a better like mentors around me to show me the way, then I would have probably enjoyed the younger part of my career a lot more. So it's a fantastic question to start there. Maybe a bit deeper than what you expected, no, but that's, it's the truth. They're great answers, they are.
1: Okay, boys, next question is from Dabo76. Uh, how would the other lads in the changing room react to Marcus Rashford and the scenario that he was at a nightclub in Belfast, didn't turn up for training, and now it's a um, disciplinary issue at Man United? Oh,
0: mate, this is...
2: What 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 I would you it, do? Yeah, what would you do? I think you pull him to the side and ask him quietly, is everything all right? Yeah. Because it's starting to happen quite a bit now, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. there's obviously a few issues going off the field that maybe the players don't know about. Yeah. And you want to get to the bottom of it because... I we, we've never seen a Marcus Rashford do these sort of things, have no, we? No, no, no. And it's it starting to, to now after build up, now, yeah. With 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 what's going on. So I'm I, yeah. I find it interesting that knowing as well in your contracts that seventy two hours now you're not allowed to be seen in mm. alcoholic premises, and now you, you're in a nightclub, but
0: in Ireland. I, does he? Does he? Want, is this? Is this him? wanting out is this a sign I think he, he has to take full accountability of it first and foremost I think there's a lot of people that have said you know Ten Hag it's his man Ten Hag has to take it I, I disagree I really disagree I think as a senior first team player somebody that's an England international I think you have to take full accountability of it but I think it again I agree with Robbo though I think somebody needs to put an arm around it I think somebody uh, a senior role model a senior who might player. that be at Man United uh, who could it be at Man United maybe a Martínez Lissandro Martínez but I yeah. worry about his English but Johnny Evans maybe you've got leaders there haven't you yeah. you've got Casemiro obviously Casemiro Varane like,
2: they've, they've been there they've done it Yeah, they've won everything possible so people like that should be helping him if he has got a problem or if he's struggling to understand They're... like the Man United culture yeah. of, of the I, pressure dare I
1: say though, Robbo isn't this where someone like a David De Gea might might fit that bill of a leader, someone that's been there for, I know he's Spanish, but he, he was there for
0: 10 plus years Yeah, or I think you need somebody who would understand the, but even then you say that you understand the United way and the way you need to carry yourself as a Man United player. But this is, this is just the basics. Genuinely, this is the basics, isn't it? Like Robert said there, it's written into our contracts now that 72 hours prior to a match, you are not allowed to be in a pub, basically, a nightclub, something like that. So to be in Ireland on a Wednesday, Thursday night, and being a, in a random nightclub that's it's so it's so obvious that you don't do that that's why I'm I'm genuinely as soon as I saw it I thought surely not like does he think he's going to be able to waltz into that nightclub and out of it unscathed unpictured unvideoed it's not going to happen I don't care Mm. how discreet you are with it whether you come in the back door or not you are still going to get pictures somebody is going to see you so yeah it's a a weird one but the players with, with regards to how the players will react they would have obviously heard this news coming out and every one of them amongst themselves would have been like Oh, what is Marcus doing? Yeah, like, what is Marcus doing? I think it's a very interesting
1: point that you made, Robbo, about what what are you doing? Because I think the automatic instinct might be to say someone needs to give him bollocking. But what we've seen re- recently in the last year in the press with people like Deli Ali, yeah. and and I guess is the revelations there is is your point of someone might need to say is everything okay?
2: Yeah. Well, you're hoping that he's got them people around him mm. to to help him with that, but he's obviously not because he's got he's got people who are actually prepared to take him to Ireland and, yeah. and get on that plane with him. So has That's he true. got them right people around him as well? It's like we talked about Jesse. Jesse's been in the same situation now where he's just got rid of his agents. So now for him, it's a fresh start. Marcus, is he, is he the same type of character now? Where does he need the, a fresh start and to find out the right people that are actually not helping him in his career and putting him in these positions that he doesn't need to be in? Yeah, It's a, tough. Yeah. But there's a lot of pressure at Man United. You know what, oh. what comes when you play for Man United expectation and, mm-hmm. and, and, and the pressure that comes with that is what's what's expected there and that's not doing these things. We don't see it from the Man City players. We don't see it from the Liverpool players yeah, because you've got managers like yeah. Klopp and you've got managers like Pep Guardiola who go, hold on a minute, no, you don't do this. Like This is this is what we do at Man City and we'll deal with this behind the scenes but like that, that's the end of it and you're not going to do this ever again or otherwise they're gone. We've seen it with yeah. players. They've gone. They've got rid of them because yeah, they're not wanting that. them around the football club. And, and you, do, you feel sorry for Ten Hag at this moment in time because it seems like problem after problem is happening for him as a manager. Out, yeah. And he's the one who's getting the brunt of it, but he's, he's actually the manager. Like, what more do you want him to do? We want Ten Hag, in, he's in that role to, to help the club move forward. And that's producing performances and, and getting results like they did yesterday. When, you, when you're going to go to a place like Newport and you know what's expected and you know it's going to be a tough game... And they get the result four two in the end, and that's what his job is. That's what he's getting paid to do is to is to take Man United forward. But these little moments are just not helping. Oh, them, are it's they? hard work! It's, it's really hard. hard. Work. Mm-hmm. It's.
0: Uh, I think the what has what will happen with with uh, Rashford is he will get a big fine. It'll be a two weeks wage fine. I think I would assume automatically. What's well, that going to be, a, be, be Probably be More? Yeah, it'll be it will be at least a two weeks wage fine, Um and then. Then that's when the accountability has to come into it, though. So he, he's he got to expect a bit of a, a bollockin. He has to expect a bollockin, And then also he has to expect that somebody's going to say to him, you, you might not be in the team for a, a few weeks. Or if you are fit, then then yeah, we can sort of look to start integrating you, but this can't happen again. It can't happen again. And this is where the accountability has to come into it. He's a grown man now. He's 24 years old. I think think he's 25, 26. So it gets to the point now where you, where you have to say, as if that's you, that's done it. And Marcus Rashford has to look at himself and go, I need to change what I'm doing now because this isn't working for me.
1: Yeah. Fozzie, when you look at Marcus Rashford, he's obviously been there as a kid and, um, he's had a couple of periods where he's been, it's been difficult for him on the pitch. Mm. Um, a little bit like Harry Kane where it's like new start. do you think Marcus Rashford's at that point now where you go is it time for a new challenge yeah
0: I think I think probably I think um, again we, we've we said this in a, a podcast a few weeks ago I think Man United is the toughest football club to play for I really do I think the, there is more pressure attached playing for a Manchester United than any other club in the world I don't care who it is Man City Liverpool Bayern Real but I think there's more pressure on those Manchester United players. And I just think it's it's got to a point, especially with somebody like Marcus, where a, a fresh start, a move somewhere else, um, will do him the world of good. Would really do him the world of good. But that fresh start as well has got to be right for him, for him as a as footballer. Because well. yeah. sure. we
2: don't want to see him now, because of the talent that he's got, we don't want to see that wasted by him just going to a team where he's just going like, to fade away a little yeah. bit. Go through the You motions. want to see him, yeah. the Marcus Rashford of the old, where he's going there and he's scoring goals, yeah, he's yeah, assisting yeah. goals. Yeah. But at this moment, like you say, he's maybe... He has. He stayed um, through there too long. Robo,
1: yeah. where would that, what would that look like to you? Because in, in my mind, I'm thinking does he want a new challenge
2: abroad? Country, yeah, yeah like yeah. abroad, just to get away, like in Italy or a Germany. Yeah, like maybe like a Germany for him, like like Harry Kane's done at, at Bayern, where he's gone there and you look at him. But they're totally. Obviously, we've mentioned Harry Kane, but they're totally different characters. Yeah, he's a family are. man. Yeah, yeah, he's very well level headed. He's he, he yeah. does what he does, and he and he says what it says on the tin. But with Marcus, he's got that maybe that little bit of baggage that's around him that Mm -hmm. he doesn't need so okay well let's just go abroad and just let's just get away from from Manchester for a little bit and go and enjoy my football again that's that's
0: the thing that I would worry about is I don't think Marcus Rashford has necessarily got the bravery to go and do that. To go and play in a foreign country like a Harry Kane did, it takes a lot of bravery, doesn't it? it to does be it. able to trust yourself and back yourself and go, "No, I'm going to do this." And but I, I worry that Marcus probably isn't at that stage in his life yet where he's able to say, "No, I'm going to go and do this because it's going to be good for me." And where, w- where would where would be a
1: good move? Where, what country do you think? Again, would it would a good be.
0: Move? It could be any. It could be any of the big boys, really. It could, it could be, be like a Barca, or be a it could be Barca. could He could Real play Madrid. for anybody in the world. He could be. He could play for anybody in the world. It's as simple as that. Because a a, a firing. Marcus Rashford a Marcus Rashford who, who I think that we all agree that Marcus Rashford probably has still more to come yeah oh yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. For sure. he's, he's not got, hit his peak yet exactly He's, he's still 20, got, like you say he's 25 26 he's still got more to come so yeah. he's an attractive option for somebody but it's just it's just whether Marcus would be open to doing that where he is at this moment even though there's all that pressure attached to it it's kind of it's, it's all he knows it's what he's used to and it's yeah. comfortable doing that so it, it'll be interesting to see but I, I, I think I speak for everyone when I say I think we'd like to see Marcus Rashford back to on fire, happy with a smile on his face. Ah, oh, he's a top The, the life's at, at peace and ease with him, really.
1: Yeah, 100%. Okay, next question then is from Will Kingston. If you could go back to the Blues, Birmingham now, as a manager, who would be your
0: first purchase? Oh mate, might Whoa. need a second or two to think about that. Birmingham City, who would be your first purchase? It's it's, it's never as easy as no. what's going to be your first purchase because you need to know kind of the the state of the club, the financial yeah. status. Um, we were actually, funnily enough, talking about someone like Jesse Lingard um, a few minutes ago, weren't yeah, we, were, we? Before yeah. the podcast started, Jesse Lingard at this moment in time still without a football club, um, and we were saying something like. Uh, a move to a championship team, somebody that needs a bit of a sort of uh, get him over the line, just yeah. resurrect his a career Leicester, a little bit. A yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. Like that. Something like that, I think, would be a fantastic sign. I think you you know, it takes a little bit of humble pie eating from, from Jesse's part, but if he's willing to show that he's going to be giving it a go for six months and go, No, listen, I just want to get back to playing football, I don't care about the money, don't even pay me, it's not a problem. Just give me six months of playing first team football and I'll show you all what I can do. Something like that it can, can be a springboard for the rest of your career, can't mm, it, Robert? Yeah. No, definitely, I totally
2: agree with it. Like you say, someone like Jesse now just needs that that second chance to be given the opportunity to go and prove his worth. So he's a free transfer. Yeah. Being at blues before. So being at blues before. He knows the fans will take to him and, and again just get himself up and running again, get enjoying his football. Yeah. And you
1: yeah. were there with him, weren't you? At, yes. at blues, you yeah. I
2: played with him at blues and like you say when he came on loan from Man United, outstanding talent, and you could see that he was going to go on and have a great career. Um and yeah, he's on his debut scored four goals. So it just he Yeah, he scored four goals against so yeah, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday.
0: Um no. Rob, when when a, when a new manager comes into a football club Rob what yeah. what is the first sort of position he would look look to to, to try and improve or strengthen and to sort of make his stamp on that football team what what would a, a new manager will automatically go for I think it depends on
2: what type of manager you are and what type of player that certain player that you're looking for that can connect the team a yeah. little bit better I think you go in first and you just assess the squad uh-huh. so you give the squad the like the, the benefit of the doubt and you go right come on the lads let's see for a couple of games in the background you can have a list of players that you know that you could add to the squad to yeah. make them better to um, so say for instance if you're that that ball-playing midfield player that you're looking for that can then connect the dots to the team mm. of playing forward early or or controlling the game from the back. So, yeah, that, that sitting midfield player that's good on the ball or do you need a, a, a big centre-half that's got that presence, like that leader yeah, yeah, through yeah. the spine of your team? So, yeah, I think you always look as a manager of where you can pick... The right position for the team that's going to just help them gradually go on, it, and it, then as as like I say, as the manager, then when you're building that, you then you then adding more players to the to the squad to make them better.
0: Is, is that then why you know you get certain managers when they go, you'll ha- he'll always have players that follow the him. Or yes. he'll bring us a player of trust there. isn't it? Is that what it is? It's, yes. Is that it's, what it comes trust, down to? Yeah.
2: Trust and also the quality of yeah. the player that you're bringing is you know then that right I'm going to go for that player that I had there because I know as well you also know the contract yeah. so you not you might know that there's a buyout clause. <laughs> yeah. Um but it also be I've, I've trusted that player and I can rely on him on a, on a daily basis and a weekly basis in the game so yeah I'm going to try and sign him.
1: Yeah, love that. Right, okay, next question from Ethan Lem 1, Lemington boy. How would other clubs know when a player is for sale. So how do clubs know when a player is for sale? So I'll kind of put a little bit of context into my thought process here. So in the world of football, journalists can often, also, can often be seen as bad as can agents. This is a time where journalists... And agents
0: can be a friend of the club or the player, a friend it, of each other. Is that fair to say, Ben? <laughs> a fr- yeah, without that, a friend of each other. This is it. So, we're, we're filming in January, towards the end of January, actually. So, the transfer window will be closing soon. There will still be dozens and dozens and dozens of players who are hoping to get a move. Um, but it's not just hoping to get a move to any club that will have me, they will have it narrowed down to one or two clubs, mm. right? One or two clubs. Yeah. That player wants that move. The agent wants that move because he gets paid for it. Um, The club want the move. the, The buying club, whatsoever. So this is the part where the agent has to kind of sneakily go around and talk to the journalists and talk to the clubs and make it known that the player wants this move but he can't come out and say that he has to work on his behalf for him this is where you will get agents ringing journalists or news outlets and publications and saying um, just letting you know heads up that um, there might be a deal possibly happen between X club and Y player and just to mark your card so that they might put a little uh, transfer column in the uh, paper or on Sky Sports News or something like that that's just kind of how it this is like Fabrizio Romano for example Yeah, Fabrizio Romano <laughs> is the world's most connected man apparently but he is that's exactly what he is because he will literally be talking to players to agents to news outlets to journalists and they will be giving him information and it's proper information as well because he very rarely misses doesn't he no no no
1: that's it and and here's a question for you then Robbo so on Hmm. following that line of inquiry almost so let's say that the, the, the deal isn't happening is this where then an agent or a leak from the club might say Um, oh by the way he's unhappy or he was out in this nightclub or is this where kind of naughty stories start appearing to engineer a move
2: Um, I wouldn't say sometimes they're naughty but that would also be dependent on the player with his attitude and what he wants to do to sort of get that move I mean he could like they say turn up late for training start doing his own thing, start causing problems around the around the training ground, like games as well. They just not play into the ability that everyone knows that they can play to. So yeah, I think it's also down to the player with with their attitude in, in how much they want to force the move themselves as well. But yeah, like Ben's talking about there, the media, they twist it all. The agents will have their say behind the scenes as well with how the how you can engine how you can engineer the move. But also the player's gonna be he's gonna play a big part in that and of how much can I push that, that move through. To get go, just to get out, just
0: yeah. to go on. It, it, I've seen players sort of proper down tools. You'll have seen it yeah. as well. Players proper down tool because you'll get to that sort of real crunch time where you know there's only a day or two left of the transfer window, and they yeah. really want this move. It's like they've set their heart on it now, and they will just basically go to the the manager, the chief exec, the the owner of the football club sometimes, and say, "I am not going to be playing for you ever again. So sell me." <laughs> So Salman it- I won't play for you. And the club at this point honestly if if everything was transparent no player would ever do that. No player would ever do it because he would be a, he would be scared of being outed by the club. And but if I ran a football club I would want it to be open and transparent yeah, yeah. and everybody knew what was going on. So if a player came to me and said I will never play for you again. I'll go, that's fine. Are you sure you want to say that and you want to stick by that? Because I will tell the media that. I am going to tell the media that. And all our fans will hear that. And then the wider world of football will hear that. And not only will your fans hate you, but other clubs that are looking to sign you will think, I think twice about signing him if he's willing to do something like this. Of course,
1: Simona you'd make, them.
0: I know. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I but imagine that. If you could work in a, in a football environment where everything is open and yeah. honest and clear and transparent. Uh, yeah, and you would, like you say
2: everything would be done amicably wouldn't yeah, it between yeah. the players the clubs and if you just said look I'd really like this move to go through and you have them professional conversations behind the scenes then as a manager as a club you're then finding that replacement yeah. simple as that yeah. but some it, it doesn't work as easy as that unfortunately I
1: think the other thing is as well is sometimes rightly or wrongly it can be a last option for players as well because you'll have both seen it and you hear stories of um, good lads in the changing room um, and this kind of scenario happens and the agent or the manager we pushing them like um, commercial manager or agent, yeah. family saying you're going to have to do it it's the only way you're going to get out yeah. and have you seen
0: that when good yeah. lads almost take a stand because they've got no other option they've got no other option because you see so many players around you who might be a bit more sort of bad exit almost you see them getting the moves because you see the ways that they go about doing it and you think is that how what I've got to do? Is that what I've got to resort to, to get a move? But not only that as well, though, you've got to think about this, this this works on the other side, the other way around as well, mm. because I think you always hear about the player kicking off and, and saying, I want to move and I want to get out of my contract. And I want, but, it comes from the club side as well of course it does the amount of times that clubs say we don't want you anymore or we 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 want to sell you go we, and train with yeah, the 21s go and train with the 21s you don't hear you don't hear the clubs coming out and saying we've done that to this player they they keep that yeah. very hush hush yeah. and that goes on more than a lot of people will know doesn't it Robert?
2: yeah and then that's and then that's when you want the deal done just yeah. for both parties you just want it to be done and put an end to the saga and then come on and the player can move on he can go and enjoy his football and we haven't got that type of player now around the football club so yeah, I, sometimes I see treatment and I just think, why Why do you need to be like that? Yeah. Both parties. Yeah. Just come to a great
0: agreement. You both can move on and then it's done. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it is money. A lot of it is contract. If a player's got a contract for X amount of years on X amount of money and he wants to sit on it and he's happy with it and he knows he's not going to get it at another club, he'll just chill. <laughs> yeah, but that, that also works both ways, exactly. doesn't it? Again, I remember ways,
1: yeah. um, we had Henry Lansbury in, in the same when he was at Villa and he said he got told pre-season, yeah. go and train with the kids yeah. and he said he came in every day and smiled, got on with his job. Yeah. Mm. Every day. Because he had a good contract and, and that, but knew, that's the type of lad he is then yeah. as well.
2: He's like, he was. Oh, I'm going to be professional and yeah. I'm going to keep doing my job. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right, okay. Next question from S. Massey 12 Do any young players come into the first team squad and need taking down a peg or two? Um, is this something that's kind of commonplace now where the youngsters come in and they, uh, they need bringing down to earth a little bit?
2: I think they do, but there's a there's a different type of way of doing it now. I mean when I was when I grew up it oh. was uh, and you, you were cleaning the boots and if you if you made a mark on the boot while you were cleaning it with boot polish and that you get told about it or you get
1: filled in for it. So that's all changed <laughs> now. That is just the way why, the games why, move forward. Why don't young players do those duties as much as they do, Robo? So the cleaning of the boots I think is such a are kind of humbling and good things. Yeah, it's a right through, a passage. Three, yeah, why? Why isn't that? Because so it's, much it's just a thing? all
2: changed now with the rulings They've changed it all. It's like safeguarding, it's like safeguarding, yeah. and and the protection oh, of wow. the boys and that growing up now. And but for me, it's life skills. It's yeah. how did like you say? I had I had a relationship with my senior pro because I was doing his boots, so I had a responsibility. So now that bond between me and the first team player it grew and grew because he understood my character. I understood what he was like as a guy and a, and a person and we and we had that real good bond and good relationship. So then when I was in the first team and I and I went into that team, I then knew. I I settled into the, the group better because I already had that relationship with that player he growing could integrate up. You so into he integrated it more. me yeah. because he knew yeah. I was his boot boy. And it was the same with all the other kids that had the other jobs with the other players, the would, senior players. Would they
1: match would they match? Yeah, you'd ma- you
2: match your personalities up. And your okay. characters. So it was good how Graham done it. So I was with Andy Hess and Tyler. Oh, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's who I was with. So I used to clean his boots. But I knew if I did
0: something wrong, I was getting a punishment. Yeah, damn right as well. And that was the way it was. But, but you made sure then that you would take pride in doing his boots properly. Yeah. Because you knew that, like say, he would take you under his wing and look after you. But also, as a boot boy, you used to get like little bonuses at Christmas or at the end of the season or something like yeah. that, didn't you? You knew at Christmas... Christmas Eve it could be a couple days before or whatever you were just waiting especially as a youth team player Mm. aren't you you're waiting for that player to come up and give you some money like you don't want to go and ask you don't but you want that player to come up to you don't you I I had a a boot boy at um, West Brom actually and this was like going way back kind of thing and we were it was the last game of the season and we were on the bus on the Friday or the Saturday whenever the last game is and so the day before the game and you're supposed to give your boot boy a little bit of money sort of thing whatever right this kid had so much about him right he was a goalkeeper actually he was a good lad though but he had so much about him yeah and he wanted that bonus because all his mates had gotten the bonus off all the other players and stuff it just slipped my mind completely slipped my mind I remember being on the back of the bus I was sat there with Boaz Myhill right and this kid this young goalie kid right he was he had just got into his mom and dad's car to go home because the season had finished right yep. he was he got out of his mom and dad's car walked onto the bus all the way to the back of it and went um Ben um uh, uh, have I got my end of season bonus and honestly <laughs> I, I was like oh this is incredible this is incredible the balls you have to be able to do this is is phenomenal by the way it is absolutely phenomenal and I was I, it made me laugh so much Boaz was crying his eyes out with laughter and I was like mate listen just the sheer fact, the gutsness that you've shown to come here and get this money off me. There you <laughs> go, mate. I gave it him, but he was buzzing his trip. What but did you like, give him? Wow. I it would have been, I don't know, 100 quid or 200 quid or something like that. But he was buzzing for it. Do you know what I mean? He literally got out of his mum and dad's car. He was sat in the car fair with play. his mum and dad yeah. and he came and got the bonus because he wanted sloppy it. Sloppy from bro.
2: you, not remembering. It was
0: sloppy from me, to be fair. <laughs> it was sloppy
2: from me. So on another point there, Ben, as well, we, what you were making about the lad coming up to you on the coach. The coach was, yeah, I can yeah, remember yeah. as well is that, you never sat down as a kid when you was in the squad yeah. on an away trip. You had to make everyone's teas and coffees without a doubt. So and that, and that was your, that was your duty. Yeah. He's like every time you sat down, someone'd go, "Oh, Robbo, uh, I'll have a coffee while you're while you're uh, while you're making them." Yeah. So you'd go, oh, and then you and then you'd also then you forget about the staff. So you knew then if the staff wanted a cup of tea or coffee, you'd have to go and ask them to but make sure. What,
0: what players would do as well though, they would make wait for him to make a cup of tea. <laughs> And he'd take it over to him and he'd hand it down and he would go to sit down and as soon as you went to sit down, another player would go, oh, Robbo, can I just... And that would it. (laughs) Then you would have to go and it would just be (laughs) probably the whole journey. But not only that as well, you would get to... um, You would get to the... The, wherever you've gone and you know you've got all the gear underneath you've got the beds and all yeah. that kind of stuff you'd have to go and help take that off onto, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, onto the hotel and stuff like that Like that don't happen anymore do you know what yeah, I mean yeah. like we, we would have like a, 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 what third place we would have a load of senior players and we would have to make the young lads do that we would say lads help the staff would you come on like you're, you're 18 years old you're travelling with the yeah. first team show a bit of respect would you you've got you've got senior physios 40, 50 year old physios and masseurs and stuff like that go and help them take yeah. the stuff into the hotel you're 18 years old yeah but because they don't have to do that sort of stuff anymore. They don't they don't even think have
1: about you, doing have it. Have you ever seen Ben have you ever seen a someone get like a real dressing down like a youngster kind of getting a real dressing down in the changing room from a senior pro or a manager? Yeah, or...
0: I've I've seen a few of them. Most of the time it's just for um like being loud really. It'll be sort of a bit too mm. just a bit too comfortable too quickly. Yeah, do you I know can... what I mean? So like we've had a, a few uh, occasions where young lads would be in the first team dressing room on a on a Friday or like a Saturday or something like that and they'll be on their phones and they're laughing around and joking and stuff like that and you've got to read the situation or the moment that you're in and just think, no, come on. You've got to be on your toes in that environment. Could you imagine as a kid, Robbo, if you, when mobile phones, if they were about at that time, yeah. could you imagine going into that first team dressing room at 18 years old and like laughing around and being loud and being on your phone no. and stuff? Well, you wouldn't. You get fined. You'd, like, you'd the, get the senior fined players and punched, would find you yeah. straight
2: away if they saw you on your phone. You'd get the old finger from across the dressing room and go, "Get out here now! That's a fine. You're on your phone." Yeah, that's what that's what they'd do. But now you see it. The players literally, as soon as the game's finished, straight oh, on the phone. Straight yeah. on. I always remember you telling
1: me Ben. Um, I don't know how old he was at the time, but when Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, gave Chris Eagles a dressing down about his... Tr- what he was wearing at training at yeah. Man United. What, yeah.
0: Tell tell us about that. Cause I'm yeah. not, sh- not sure we've. Th- there were a, there were a few. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember like Chris Eagles used to wear like an Alice band, didn't he, in his hair. Which is so normal. nowadays it's so normal. Nowadays it's so normal. Um, but I remember like we were just about to go for a walk for um like we before a match. So if it's the like pre-match walk, yeah, the pre-match walk in the morning. And um, Eagles has come down in a pair of flip flops and his Alice band. He's got like the tr- the rest of the tracksuit on but he's got his flip-flops on and an Alice band And but do you know what this is the sort of stuff that you remember and you look back at and it made me then never ever wear a pair of flip-flops for the walk or an Alice band yeah or a, definitely not an Alice <laughs> band anyway but I, like, all the players are down into the reception Do you, you got to think this is Man United in the pomp all the big boys and stuff and we've gone down into reception and I remember watching him walk, get off the elevator and he walked towards us and he's got his flip-flops on and his Alice Band, and I'm thinking, oh, no, you're going to get absolutely battered here. Somebody is going to say something. And honestly, Alex Ferguson must have just saw it and gone, like, the rage, the anger, straight away, straight over. What the... (laughs) What are you... Take that... And honestly, Eagles just went bright red. Oh, my God. Turn around straight away into the lift, upstairs, shoes on, no Alice Band. And But I saw that, and I just thought... Oh, my God. Like uh, For one, how could you be so sloppy to come down like that anyway? But two, it just reinforced the fact that never, ever, ever do anything like that. Never come down looking sloppy. You know no. what I mean? You're yeah. representing a football club yeah. at that moment in time. I don't care who it is or what team you play for. You are representing your football team. And Ma- Alex Ferguson was massive on that anyway. But the fact that he thought he could just go walking around outside in a pair of flip-flops. Mm. phew. Massive problem. Massive right. problem.
1: Next one, the mental menagerie. Uh, do players notice the advertising boards, the flashing nights um, around the stadium, around the pitch while you're playing? Not really.
2: No? No, it's something you don't really pay attention to. You sort of you just focus on the game, really, when you're playing. That's that's where your mind is. Your mind's just, right, I need to be in the game. I need to focus. I'm not going to stand there and look at an advertising board and thinking, oh, that reminds me of <laughs> yeah. something. Ben, in goal? But it must be off-putting, though. <laughs> no. No. Never. I must be off-putting, because you do, when you watch the telly, I've seen it, which you do know there this. was like a dog one, advertising. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 think I thought there was a dog running along, <laughs> but it was the advertising board. <laughs> well, so I can is, see, it's, true, it. yeah. it's a great point, because you do, because when you're watching it on telly, you're going,
1: uh-huh. how, the, how are the players not seeing that? They to see what it, I'm all the uh, so, so I've left this bit out on the question, because I wasn't sure. So the full question was, do players notice the ad boards, the flashing nights, and the running
0: dash hounds? That's what it is. That's what I've on the telly. But I'm looking in, I'm going, who's let the and the <laughs> <board>. <laughs> this the Right, so this this brings me on to a deeper question, then Robbo. Okay, because I think there's a big difference between goalkeepers and outfield players. Full stop. There's a big there's a big uh, separation. So I want to know what goes through your mind actually in the game, in that moment, in the heat of the battle. Are you are you thinking? Do you have time to think enough? Where you think? Don't make a mistake. Make sure you first touch you. Do you think any kind of negative thoughts like that, or is the game so fast paced and you're so constantly on the move that you just don't have chance or time to think about the the ramifications of making a mistake? Not really, no. I think you, you're that fully focused on yeah. just being quick thinking all the time
2: yeah. of like where where am I if the ball's yeah, coming yeah. to me? Where am I if the ball's on the other side of the pitch? A so like positioning wise, I can't let my teammates down so I've got to move across yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're, yeah, you're constantly thinking of that. That's what you're constantly thinking of and is like you're it, positioning yeah. in and out. That's,
0: that's a nice place to be. If though, you make a honestly. mistake,
2: that's obviously, that's that's just it, the speed of the game and the way it happens quickly. Yeah. But you're not thinking... Oh, I'm going to make a mistake now. The boys come my way. You, you just don't think like
0: that. Oh, that is such a nice place to be, honestly. That but is... it's different for a goalkeeper, it though, is, isn't it? Because
2: honestly, yeah. there'll be like moments in the game where you're not even involved. Yeah. So you, you could you, just you, be standing five, there five going, or six minutes. "This is just so easy. Like I'm so bored. I'm not even." And then you'd be like, "Oh God, I'm, I'm in a game, mate." I'm, I, I'm, I, think. Think
0: you, you, I, I promise you, there's no goalkeeper out there unless you play for a Man City or a Liverpool where you know you're probably not going to see the ball. And even if you do let one in, you're probably going to go and win anyway. But I'd say for 98% of other goalkeepers, when it's a lull or a quiet time, that is the time where all the negative thoughts come in. I don't care who you are. I promise you, I don't care who you are. You could be the most positive, optimistic, confident goalkeeper. But when you are left to your own devices in that game Mm -hmm. and there's a lull, that's when... Everything comes in, all the self-talk, the self doubt. Don't make a mistake. What if that happens? Could he lob me from there? He's 75. He could, he could lob me from there, you know. And honestly, you are constantly talking to yourself like this. Especially when you get to the last minutes of games and stuff like that. If it's nil-nil or one nil, you are slightly yeah, winning, or away, you're yeah. hanging on, you are honestly, you start to really say, Don't be a corner. Don't oh my god, the ball's gone out for a corner. Oh my god. And then you're looking at the player who's about to take it. If it's an inswinger, you're thinking, Oh no, don't, yeah. don't inswing this on me. Keep this as far away from me as possible. And then he might be an outswing, you are thinking, Oh thank God, I might not have to come and deal with this because it's an outswinger yeah. they're the kind of things that go through your mind as yeah, a goalie yeah. I promise you it's a mad place to be
1: <laughs> well and they say goalies aren't mad um, <laughs> are.
0: right Charlie Waterworth has
1: asked um, will Ben put on the gloves one more time and join Robbo for a game at Claverdom. Oh. He's the
2: manager at Claverdon. <laughs> he's, he's, he's,
1: he's
2: desperate to get that question out. <laughs> I've tried my hardest, Charlie, but he's not having none of it.
0: oh I'm not having any of it, Charlie. Absolutely no chance, mate. <laughs> he's absolutely, he's the manager. He's the manager <laughs> man. Oh, absolutely no chance. I've got this. I'll be honest with you. I've got this cyst on the on the side of my knee, right, and it absolutely kills. Right, I need to have an operate another operation on it to like take it out, but it's massive like lump, and it like if I if I do. Too long on the bike, or I'll go for a run. And it's too long, or something. It swells and it's so sore, mate. Honestly, so like, no, I am not doing that. I'm <laughs> never ever going to be playing another game of Let's football. Let's just go to go and watch uh, Robbo at club Yeah, we w- I want to go and watch him and give him some. Oh, we life. have to have a Fozcast day out. You can say we? give him some abuse, but you still know that he'd be the best player on the pitch. You know that he will be running <laughs> like an absolute dog and smashing people and, and getting behind. So there's no point. So I just go and admire it, really. Even as, well, what, if we fought, get to you the final, lads, we're the best. Got ah, oh, we will come and So watch there's out a great there. day. We'll, out. we'll come and watch that. Stadium. Yeah, we'll come. we go. Right, S.
1: Pierce eighteen. Explain Dawson moving across the black country, playing for rivals.
0: Oh, explain it. It's, it's, it's fairly simple, really. Okay, so um, so Craig Dawson played for a few teams. Left West Brom, um, went to Watford. Um, he then signed for West Ham, um, South London you know, f- South is it South West London? South West London. Oh, it's it's yeah. miles away, either way, basically. Um, West Ham's training ground is a nightmare to get to, yeah? Um, and Dorse is from the north. Dorse is from sort of Manchester area. That's where his family is based. He's got kids and that's where his family is, settled. Um, so for someone like Craig Dawson, the dream sort of ticket really would be somewhere that's about an hour away from home. Staffordshire, Staffordshire, you know, Manchester, anywhere, even somewhere a little bit north on that. But then you start looking at the teams that are in the Premier League and there's not really anything north of sort of Liverpool until you get to like Newcastle really, is there? So, um, for someone like Craig Dawson, uh, a Wolves, a West Brom, somebody around that area in the Premier League is is the dream ticket. It's it's an hour in the car in the morning. It's in and out straight away. It, it's absolutely perfect. They're big
1: rivals, right? But it, it's a bit different in the fact that um, Dawes played for for West Brom. And then there was a number of years in between. Yeah, played for Watford, yeah. um, played for West Ham, and yeah. then he's gone to to Wolves. So I think when they're in different divisions, when
0: there's a number of years between yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, playing for the other team, yeah, it, 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 it's, you, it, it softens it. You can't begrudge him. You could never begrudge can't. a player for going and signing for a, a rival team of, of somebody that he might have played for before. Um, I think it's, it's a very, very short career for footballers nowadays. And I'd say unless you've been like a, a, a player that's come up through the youth team, you support that team, they're in your blood, do you know what I mean? If you come through Manchester United all the way through and then go and sign for a Man City, that's something you're going to have to consider yeah. because that has a knock-on effect for your life as yeah. well. Do you know what I mean? You know yeah. that you can't but if go, you're
1: released, but that, that's fine, Ben, and it, that's we're talking probably megastar status yeah, here, yeah. but if you're a player that's been, I don't know, released by an Everton or something like yeah. that and then you kind of go, well, my option is, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. probably not the greatest example in the world, mm-hmm. but but sometimes you play players aren't going to not take a move because no, of who it is, are they?
0: No, no, no. no. It's a, again. Uh, Wolves have signed him. They signed him on a, I think a three and a half year deal or something like that. It's it's for somebody of Dawson's age. It's 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 the dream move. It's yep. a dream move for him. Honestly, it's stability. It's settled. It's an hour away from home. Ticks all boxes, yep. doesn't it? I bet West Brom wish they'd never sold Steve Ball to Wolves. Bully,
1: bully. <laughs> Right, um, Ben, who is the best centre half you've had in front of you? Not
0: Man United and England, though, from Liam Monkhouse 11. Um, that's really, really good question. It's Gareth McCauley. Uh, GMAC at West Brom um, wow what a player he he, he was a bit, a bit of a late bloomer as a, as a centre back um, GMAC was he he never re- he didn't really sort of start playing first team football till sort of his mid-twenties really um, and then actually when I signed for West Brom uh, under Roy Hodgson uh, Gareth McCauley had signed in the in the summer as well just before me and he was ill he was really ill like he had some sort of like bug some sort of um, sickness bug but it carried on for months Robert I'm talking like three or four months he lost so much weight he was skinny um, skin and bone almost and and it really sort of knocked him he couldn't train he couldn't play um, so I didn't see him for the first two or three or four months whatever um, but I had Chris Brunson no he's a proper player mate. honestly you yeah. wait till he's back he's a proper player anyway got his fitness back got into the first team um, and then for the for a space of about three or four years five years maybe Wow, what a player. Him and Jonas together him were a yeah, good, good partnership, weren't they? Unbelievable yep. partnership, mate. He would score your goals in one box, he would defend it with his life like his life depended on it in the other box. He was fast, he was aerial, he was technical. He, honestly, mate, he had absolutely everything. I know if there's West Brom fans listening to this, they would be backing this up as well, I promise you. And there's loads of players that I played with as well would say the same thing in that era. Mac was just, yeah, he was, he was to get him on, Ben. Yeah, he, he's, I think he does the uh, under-21s Northern Irish. Um, oh, does he? Uh, he's like their manager now. Um, or 18s or whatever it is, anyway. But G we'd love to have you on, mate. But proper yeah, player, great player. bloke as well.
1: Right, Rob Jones, 1875. Will Robbo be returning to Birmingham City under Big Tony as a coach? Oh, I'd love to. Go on, Big Tony, Go if on, you're Big listening.
2: Tony. Um, if the opportunity there, I'd love to. I'd love to work for Tony again. I had a great time playing under him at West Brom, and he he changed the game and he changed us as a team. The way that we played the football that we did and we scored the goals that we did, and that was all down to his philosophy the way he brought us together as a group. Um, and like you say, as a team, we ju- we just, we're, we're just on another level compared to other teams. Yeah. So yeah, the opportunity to now to go and work for him as well under like being a coach, I'd love that. Just love to pick his brains, his philosophy
0: and learn off him. Yeah, it'd be great for me. Is someone like Tony Mowbray um, for you, like the dream job basically? Because you know him, you yeah. know how he works, how he operates and you know that he's a good guy, and he's a really good manager as well. Is he? Is he for you somebody that if if he picked up the phone today, you'd go, yeah, I'd do that within a heartbeat. Yeah, if Tony, yeah, if Tony phoned me straight away, I'd go, yeah,
2: I'm coming, Tony. Yeah, yeah not a problem. Simple. <laughs> that simple. Yeah, I the podcast have, right now. <laughs> I think you have a lot. You have a lot of respect for for, for a lot of people in football, and Tony's one of their managers that I had a lot of respect for yeah. as a player, especially with the way that he handled me yeah. with my situations when I was at West Brom with like the failed medicals and and the failed moves. So for me, he was he was a great man to have around and he understood it because he yeah. played the game. So he knew and he knew how to sort of just say, look, Robbo, just just take your time. You know, I know you're coming back to West Brom, but just go and have a little extra break just to make sure you head. Oh, Ed's. that's nice, isn't and it? And that's the type of guy that he was. So for me to, to like, to again, to possibly try and work with him, um, if, if Birmingham did call and he called, then yeah, it'd, it'd be a, a no brainer. What were the
0: failed medicals, by the way? <laughs>
2: So I got no ACL in my right knee. Really? Yeah, but I, no one never knew. You'd never had the operation. Never had the operation, no. So I, I must have played without realizing that my legs were strong for enough for how long? For, for my whole career, maybe your whole career. Really? So I, I never know. You can be born without them as well. Seven, 800, 800 eight 800 odd games. Yeah, just under eight hundred games. Yeah. Bonkers.
0: I didn't even know this, Robbo. Yeah. I didn't. So, even yeah, know. Sunderland.
2: So-, so I had a, I had a um, so I had a medical at Sunderland, and it's I told this story last week when I was with Nigel Kwasi, and it's a. It, it, it happens in football and this is what players have got to understand is this this mental side of it as well that fans don't see yeah. of what players go through. Um so West Brom had agreed a fee with Sunderland. Um I went to up there to talk to him, had all my scans, had everything, and I'd booked uh Caroline's 30th. We was away in Rome. Yeah. So done everything at Sunderland with what I needed to do, jumped on the plane to Rome just for the weekend, was back on Monday. Um, was just going to go out there and spend some quality time with so Caroline. I think it's all boxed off at this all point. All boxed off. Uh, I'll, like if any if any if any problems, then I'm going to come back Monday. So I won the flight, land in Rome. Voicemail from my agent, um, Robo, call me when you get this message, please. Oh, yeah. so Did thinking, you know? Did you worry? I didn't worry. I was just like, what's this all about? Yeah. I have no idea what what this is about. So I got to the hotel um, in reception, and I've phoned him, and he's gone. You got to fly back to Sunderland. I went, Rob, I'm in Rome. He went. Got to fly back. They want you back ASAP. Oh. I was like, "What are you talking about?" He went, "There's something come up on your medical that they need to. They they booked you in to see a specialist the next tomorrow." I was like, "Rob, I'm in Rome. It's like Caroline's thirtieth birthday treat." Oh gosh. So I will come off the phone. I'm looking straight away. I can see tears coming down her face. She went, "Don't tell me we have got to fly back." She went, "Yeah, oh. there's something come up on the medical." Got it. So we've had to fly back into Sunderland. We didn't arrive into Sunderland until midnight that night.
0: So you're travelling for a day and a half. So travelling for a day and a half. Happy
2: 30th in Sunderland. Happy 30th in Sunderland. So I went to see the specialist on Saturday. Rugby he was, he was involved in rugby, the specialist guy. Tested all my knee. He was in there. He was like, Yeah, it's all solid, fine, absolutely no problems. Testing so it, When, when and did you have the operation? That, yeah. I went, What what are you talking about? He went, When did you have the operation on your knee? I went, Well, I've never had an operation on my knee. He went well, so you've never you've never been out for nine months, twelve months. or you? No. Why? He he went. Oh, well, I'll bring the physio in. So the physio told me there that I got basically they thought I'd had an ACL injury and I'd had an operation, but I had no scar. And I said, Well, have you not looked at my football record? I've never missed a game, and the only games I've missed is because I've been booked or sent off. Yeah. <laughs> That's my record. Yeah. <laughs> and they wasn't having it, oh, so no. I they I ended up failing my medical at Sunderland because of that because they couldn't understand that I hadn't had an operation this is but what it is is what people don't see as well is they're now trying to haggle price with West Brom yeah because they've agreed a fee yeah yeah yeah. they're now making an excuse saying that I've got a potential problem that I've never had and I've never understood it or realized it so just before everything had been sort of disagreed with right I'm not signing the physio turned around to me and said your knees gonna explode in two years oh cheers mate brilliant <laughs> and I was like you what so now, as a player, I'm thinking there's actually something wrong with me.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: So I obviously, we've gone away, gone back to West Brom. Like, this is a the situation. They've failed me on medical, saying that I've got a, a bad knee injury and it's going to explode in two years. And they, they were like, no, it's not. Don't worry about it, Robbo. Like, just don't worry about it. So then, a week later, I get a phone call from Wigan. Price agreed again with West Brom. So I go to Wigan. Have the medical? They know about my knee, yeah. so they've been told the history about my knee, with what's happened at Sunderland. They're all fine, perfect, like that. I found my medical on my back, oh, <laughs> so what? they say I've got a bad back. <laughs> I've never missed any games through my back injury or my knee injury. Again, it's just the way the football world works, and in the, in the end, I just pulled the deal. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying at West Brom. I just settle. I said, in then, play like, it, yeah. I'm just not. So then that was when Tony, obviously. Had, had, found out with what had happened and he just said, look Rob, i take an extra week and
0: I'll see him pre-season a week later than everyone else. You hear that bit there that Rob said about about the clubs at at that point. So Sunderland go back to West Brom and go, well, we found this massive problem with his knee so he's not worth what we were originally willing to pay for him so we will try and haggle down on the price. That is mm. very common, for one. Yeah. And then what also happens on that is a knock-on effect is where they then come to the player and go, well, you've got this problem with your knee. We think that you're going to get injuries in the near future. So the contract that we offered you and that you agreed yeah. for your weekly wage, we are not going to pay you that anymore. We're going to pay you less and we'll incentivize it on the playing side yeah, now. Yeah. That happens an yeah. awful lot as well, doesn't it? And it yeah. is. It's very much sort of... You Start panicking at this point and just think, I just want to get the deal done, I just want to get the deal done. Yep. But it happens all the time, doesn't yeah. it?
2: But for a player's point of view, you, you've now you know there's nothing wrong with you, but you've now been told there's something wrong with you, so it's in your head. So it's in your head. So I had all these tests, I went down to London, I had all these knee tests. And funny enough, my right leg was stronger than
0: my left leg. Unbelievable. So, for me, it was never and, a problem. And you've never missed a game as well at that point either. No. Unbelievable.
1: There you go. Right, uh, we've got a, a deep one here. Gone by by 14 Corner Shop Sweet. What's your pick?
0: Oh, strawberry bonbons.
1: Strawberry bonbons. Strawberry bonbons. Oh, rhubarb and custard. Okay. Oh, yeah, they're good. Yeah. Rhubarb custard's rhubarb are good, and yeah. custard. and A little quarter of jelly beans. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, And then you stuff yeah. them up behind the counter and yeah. you, they'd weigh them, wouldn't they? Yeah. In a little
0: bag. Do you remember the shrimps? Yeah. remember the little pink shrimps? Yeah. They used to be a they used to be a penny they did, they, I remember back in the day. All of them were. Yeah. Right, yeah penny penny sweets, the, they? the slightly bigger, like
1: yeah, uh, what were they called? Fruit salad and like black They were like two pea. They were like two pea, weren't they? Yeah.
2: But yeah, rhubarb and custard for oh, me. Lovely. Right, okay. The dusty bonbons, the really
1: dusty bonbons. Yeah, dusty bonbons. Okay. here's our boy Scotty Powell. How do players' boots and goalie gloves deals work with brands? How strict are the rules?
0: Uh, pretty strict, yeah. Pretty strict. You, um, so the most most of the time, unless you're a real exceptional player, then you will get to wear kind of what color of boots you want to wear, but for the majority of players, when the new colourway comes out, you get sent three pairs, so if the if the colourway has to be worn on the Saturday, you will get sent them the beginning of that week, on the Monday Tuesday, whatever, um, you'll get sent three pairs, probably two sets of moulds and a studs, or two studs and a mold, whatever um, and then you will have to wear that new colourway on the Saturday, you have to, it's in your contract, because that new colourway boot is being launched, you have to show it, exhibit it, on the pitch on a Saturday afternoon, it's as simple as that So
1: when you were with, um... so you you always wore Sal's goalie gloves yeah. um during your career and you had a like a boot deal with Nike yeah right okay so two separate things with Nike for example um could you wear like when you're out and about off pitch? Could yeah. you
0: wear Adidas trainers? No, it, again, it depends what level of athlete you are. If you're somebody that's going to get pictured an awful lot, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a, a Marcus bit, Rashford, a Marcus Rashford. If you're sponsored by Nike, you the only sportswear brand you can wear is Nike. You can't be seen in an Adidas or no. Reebok or anything. You can wear. Other brands, like he's got a sponsorship deal with Louis Vuitton, I think, hasn't he? So he can wear, he could wear them shoes or he could, but the actual sportswear brand is Nike and you have to stick by that. Don't get me wrong, if you're like a player of my sort of, sort of um, you know, stature, you could get away with wearing whatever trainers you wanted, really, because, you know, even if you did get pictured in it, Nike wouldn't really even say anything about it because it's not going to make too many ripples or anything like that. Yeah. Who
2: are you sponsored by, by the way? I had a few. So... Remember the old Copers? Yes. Oh, yeah. Growing up, Adidas. YTS was Copers, yeah, free Copers. Were. So World I, I cup loved the World Cup was class yeah. growing up as a kid. Yeah. But then I went to the Puma Kings because of the leather. Yeah. Oh, so I they loved were the leather. Class. I like the yeah. Old school. And they were never, no one was ever beating them back yeah, in the they were, day. They, they were lovely, ones. weren't they? But then then but I the I Umbro
0: Specialis. Umbro Specialis. Oh, the leather on the Umbro Specialis. Back in the day, Puma Kings were
2: iconic at the time. But then I finished with Adidas just because I loved the boot itself. Okay. Yeah, but like you're talking, it would depend on the player as well, wasn't it, with the boot? I mean, they'll send you all the colours. But it's the lever. Yeah. It's the right fit. That's it. Yeah, that's so as long it. as
0: you're sending me the colours, I want the same boot. Yeah, that's it. But it's got to be that boot all time. Players, players and... are very sort of superstitious with uh, you will pick a model of boot and you are wearing that model of boots. So yeah. If you wear a Puma King, there's no like Adidas now will do like a like a striker version, or Adidas and Night will do like a striker version. They'll do like a, a midfielder version and then they'll do like a all rounder kind of thing, which is basically for defenders and goalies <laughs> and stuff like that. Like just kicking as far as you can. But if you if you wear that sort of boot, you you don't wear the other type of it or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? You you pick a boot based on what you like, and that's it. You stick to that. So, yeah, but the, you name some of the boots there. Like, do do youth team players or young players still get that sort of PFA thing where you get two sets yeah. of boot, like a set of boot or two sets? I of at the start do that. So of what, what's this yeah, then? Tell us what this is. They get a PFA
2: card. So they get a PFA card, but they but well, now as well they can spend their money on. On what, boot what they, they want, want or what they want to, but if you've got a, like you say, a lot of young lads now have boot deals, Yeah. so they'll get sent their boots. So what is
1: the PFA? So card? So it's a
2: PFA card. It's like a three hundred and fifty pound gift voucher that they that they send out to all the like the young players or senior like senior players as well. I think get it now. Yeah, they get it now as well. Um It's just to go and s- spend stuff on on what they what they want on the website. So it's like Pro Direct.
0: So and to and Pro you go and what you want. But back, but back in the day, you'd never used to get a card or anything like that. You'd basically get a, uh, a pair of World Cup, Adidas World Cup. Studs, and you'd get a pair of uh, Adidas Copa uh, Mundial uh, moulds. Is what yeah. you'd get. Could basically. you could you wear a, uh, the same set of boots all season? Yes, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah easily. Yeah. The uh, my my favourite ever boots were uh, Nike CTR uh, 360s. They yeah. were just oh, oh they were beautiful, absolute beautiful. I think it was like kangaroo leather, kangalite leather, or something. Nice, that phenomenal. Yeah. Right, I've got beautiful. a question from
1: Desdemon- Desdemonian. Um I'll ask this one to you, Robbo, because you mentioned last time about Vancouver, was it? You yes. were close to signing no, Toronto. So, Toronto. Toronto, sorry. yeah. Ever fancied to move outside of the country? So how did the Toronto thing come about? How old were you and how close was it? Um, I was 30,
2: so i just left Bolton. So my contract ran out at Bolton and I didn't have a club and Danny Diccio was working in the academy yeah, out yeah. there, who I played with at West Brom. And Paul Mariner at the time was the manager of Toronto. So he just sort of phoned me up and he just said, look, what are you thinking? We'd like to have you out here for five days just to come out and just have a look at the facilities and train with the team and also just show you around the city. So I took um, my two eldest, so Luke and Jamie come out with me and Caroline and they they sorted us all out and they, they looked after us amazingly. So yeah, we flew out to Toronto and it was unreal. It was, it was brilliant and I loved every minute of it. But the downside to it is that you're over the other side of the world and family-wise for me, logistics... Caroline was just about to start her own business in acupuncture as well and it just didn't feel right for me. So, yeah, but the opportunity was close but it just wasn't... It, me as a player, I just didn't feel it was right for me and the family. That was that was the way I looked at it. But, yeah, the opportunity was there to, to go out and, and sign for Toronto, yeah. It's a massive
0: upheaval, isn't it? It's a massive
1: it's a, upheaval. It's like any job. It, take football out of it. If you're living in a certain area and you've got kids and yeah. you've got a family network around you. It could be grandparents, yeah. brothers, sisters, cousins. It, it
2: It's really important, right? Yeah, well, moving to the Midlands from being down south anyway from Watford was a big upheaval, upheaval for us anyway to sort of leave your family behind, knowing that you've now not got that support system around you. But then the thought of <laughs> travelling all the way over to Toronto and, and not basically seeing anybody would be a, yeah, that would be a big move for yeah. us. A bit too but it had to be right. Yeah, had to, then these moves had to be right for you and your family.
1: I think that's speaking to you over the years, Ben. That's probably one not a regret, but some little niggle that maybe you maybe wish you did. But is it fair to say that it just
0: didn't quite fall into place? Yeah, that's. I mean, again, it's it's um, it's all of that family side of it. It's the football side of it. It's. It's, it's timings, it's timings as well. Everything has to fall into place at the right time. You don't get many. That's why there's not many players that actually end up playing abroad. Especially really.
1: in the America, America, because the seasons are quite awkward, aren't they? Yeah. Contractually. Exactly,
0: um, yeah. They're, they're sort of, they overlap each other. Um, but also, everybody knows that England really is the place to be, isn't it? To play football. And it's always been a case, especially in my career, that there's always been another contract on offer. In England, which is kind of you know, what I mean, it just makes everything easier, really. So it never the opportunity kind of arose a few times towards the very end of my career, the very end. Um, but again, to do it same as you, Robbie, the upheaval of it all yeah. was probably just a little bit too much than what the what the opportunity was.
1: No, fair enough. Okay, I've got one here from Nick's Nick's Fells. Um, the one person you most want on the podcast, Bam.
0: Cool, that's a really good question. That's a good one. That's a really really good question. Um,
1: <laughs> Can I throw mine in there? Yeah, go on. Got started to get into a lot of American sport recently, yeah. more so, and we've been watching loads of documentaries, yeah. haven't we? And um, the two brothers in the NFL, Jason yeah. and Travis Kelsey, yeah, they played each other in the Super Bowl it. final last year, yeah. and they've got the biggest sports podcast in the world, right? Called New Heights. It's an unbelievable podcast really cool guys yeah, um, very cool guys that those two would be the dream for me maybe a Lance,
0: Lance Armstrong I'd like a Lance Armstrong oh yeah. god I'd like you, a you Lan- cycling I
2: was thinking of golf you like your golf I maybe like, a like a someone golf. like an Ian oh, someone like Tommy that Fleetwood really good, yeah, yeah. Someone, see I'd some... like to see Tommy Fleetwood because he's got lovely hair yeah Tommy has <laughs> got, <laughs> lovely got, got lovely hair he's air.
0: just a lo- you can tell he's just a nice clean <laughs> human yeah, nice he? guy <laughs> lovely guy yeah he looks clean I'd like to get Lance on so there's a Lance Armstrong documentary that's out on Disney Plus it's been out a couple years now yeah Couple of three, three years. Um but it's it's basically a very open, honest um, right. account of what's happened with Lance Armstrong himself. So he bears everything. He tells yeah. the truth and well, he, he tells the majority of the truth, I I presume from watching it. Um but I, I, there's so many questions I had left unanswered about the way he went about his business. And I want to know a bit more how much the remorse of it all and how much it affected him mentally and how he dealt with it and he overcame all that. Because at one point he was the most hated man in the world, genuinely, like in, within sport, especially anyway. At one point when it all came clear and he did that Oprah um, that Oprah interview where he said, "Yes, I have been taking performance-enhancing drugs." That there was like, "There's no coming back here. There's no coming back for Lance Armstrong." Um, so yeah, I think something like that would be would be phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, kind yeah. of on that. He'd be. He's a he'd... fascinating,
0: fascinating human, isn't he? Beast. Oh, he's a fascinating <laughs> yeah. human. being He beast. really
1: is. Um, okay, what clubs? Let's take like derbies aside. What clubs did you hate playing against? Oh, maybe you just knew it was going to be a. Tough day at the office, but maybe not something that you'd expect. Man City, Ben, for example, you know that you, yeah, you're yeah you gonna get pumped, you're gonna be busy. But is there anyone else like <laughs> yeah. a Tottenham or a I don't know, like a, that you just thought they're well oh, organized oh, oh, or they're oh, tough? Uh, or...
0: Tottenham, Tottenham in their pomp, not in their pomp, sorry, Tottenham were at White Hart Lane, at old White Hart Lane. When we'd read was, that there, and where, where, no, it was um, Harry Kane, you had um, Deli Alley, you had them sort of boys, um, that. That moment in time with with Gareth Bale as well, they were... Potch. Uh, yeah, I, f- I remember going to White Hart Lane and thinking, this is just relentless. This is relentless. I think it was five or something like that, but it was relentless. And the crowd were all on top of you and giving it and everything. There's a few places like that. The old West Ham, um, Everton's yeah. a real horrible, tough place to go as well. So I'm going to throw a few old
2: school out there. Oh, come on. I'm going to go Stoke.
0: Oh, yeah, Stoke, yeah. Stoke
2: and That's... places like Millwall yeah. on like the cold like oh, nights Tuesday nights yeah but you know what's coming yeah but, you, but again you're still not expecting it so they're the ones where you've got to be mentally up and ready for these games because you know for 90 minutes they are going to bombard you with long balls they're going to stick their elbows in they're going to like it's going to make it horrible and you're going to go there and you're, gonna be, and you're just thinking when you go there you go right I know what's coming but I know what's coming. You would quite enjoy that. Thing. I'd love it. Yeah, you I know would quite I love enjoy it. That. I love it, but it's the fact of you know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. you would worry it's for it's your teammates horrible.
0: more than yourself. Wouldn't yeah, you? I'll be worried for my you teammates because you look at one yeah. of your
2: teammates and you'll go, oh, "He's not Is he quite up for to this. Yeah. After this." Yeah, he's a bit soft underbelly. Sure about... You know the ones, don't yeah, you? Yeah. you
0: know the ones, and you know uh, if you've got an half-clever manager as well. The manager knows the ones, and so if you are playing against Stoke City on a Tuesday night, I remember Stoke City when they were in the Premier League. If they were on telly in the midweek match, yeah at night and they were at home they would win I knew for a fact they would win because when it was on telly especially they had to show everybody Mm. exactly what they were all about and they would make a point of giving it 110% and you knew that Stoke City would win but managers know that as well so they would look at that game and go maybe he's not the right person for that maybe he's not also but people like Robbo would be first name on the the list
1: Is there any particular attacker Robbo that you used to think He's going to give me a, as bloody good as he gets today. Well, you just knew every time you played against Peter Crouch, he's like he's really a lot taller
2: than me, yeah. And yep. he'll pull out to my side because he knows he can win a lot of headers. But yeah. I'd give him as good as what I got, and that was what that's what I loved about it is that I knew that okay, because Pulis' teams were renowned for it was the long throw from Rory Delap yep. and we'll stick the ball up to Peter Crouch, and it's going to be horrible football. Yep. And and that's what you just had to prepare yourself for. You had to be ready for Do that. Do you think knowing. he
0: was underrated as a player, Peter Crouch? Yeah, yeah he was, it was, yeah. He, if, he fit, he, he, if he found the team that suited him, that Tony Pulis team, that Stoke City team. They'd play to his strengths, Oh didn't my like. God, he would play to Peter Crouch's. It would be to Rory DeLapp's strength and to Peter Crouch's. And it wasn't necessarily waiting for Peter Crouch to knock it in the back of the net. It was second balls after that. Yeah. So as soon as he got that first contact, all bets are off isn't it? Yeah. All bets are off. It is just, the ball's dropping in that 6, 8, 10, 12 yard area and it is absolute carnage. It's a free-for-all. And that's how Stoke City would win games. They would mentally do you by saying, we're going to just keep doing this relentlessly, wouldn't yeah. they?
2: Yeah, all the time. It was con- it was consistent wasn't it? Yeah. all the time it was. Just lump it in there. Yeah. Just get it in there yeah. and let's see how they deal with it. Yeah.
0: Second balls. You were trained on a Friday, Thursday yeah. for yeah. dealing with the second balls. You knew that Peter Crouch would get a flick on. So then they would be Zonal position, but Kenwin lad. Jones as Get well. Kevin oh, Jones, who played up horrible, front for him as well, mate. he Strong was the same,
2: but, but he was just so good at what yeah. he did. Like, he could jump in the air and you think he was going to flick it on, and he just chest it. Yeah, but then even later, there um,
1: John Walters was a handful, oh. yeah. John wasn't oh, Walters always he played on the shoulders, up. but then you think you'd
2: have time to clear it, and he'd be leaving one on you, going like that, go on, have some of that, and yeah. you'd be like, oh my god, we're like, and, this is, and this how
1: tough could you? We spoke about this last time. Did you play with Kevin Davies at Bolton? Yes.
2: Yeah, play with Kev, yeah. He, he would have been yeah. a difficult oh, bloke horrible. to play against, oh, wouldn't he? Dave was the nightmare to play with. Yeah, he, but he was a, he was someone that you loved on your team because yeah. you knew that he would throw it about and he would stick up for you. We connected needed with it.
1: him on LinkedIn the other day, funnily enough. I oh. think he's um, yeah, He's an agent now. An agent yeah, is Kev is, yeah. It? I'd love to
2: get him on. Kevin Davis. Would Kevin be a Davis good get him on. He'd be a he's really He's a great good guy guest. as well, Kev. Dave's yeah, top yeah. man. He, he got, got an England call up,
0: didn't he? He got an England cap. Yes, you got one, yeah. He did, yeah. Again, he's he's the sort of lad that... Yeah, he did, because I was in the England squad with him, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Yeah, I was in yeah. the England squad with him, and that's how I know he's a good guy, and he is exactly what you just said there. He is the kind of guy you want on your team because you know he's going to do it properly. He's professional, and on a Saturday, he'll give you everything he's got.
1: Fantastic. Right, we'll have one more. Um, where do you rate Manuel Neuer in the greatest of all-time keepers list? From Karthik uh, Vati. Sorry if I've butchered that pronoun-
0: pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, again, another another sort of evolution of what a goalkeeper is and what's expected of a goalkeeper. Um, so back in the day, Peter Schmeichel is big, loud, brash. It was it was stop the ball going in the back of the net. And then it kind of evolved a bit more then into a Manuel Neuer, who was a front-footed sweeper keeper, um, brave as a lion, fantastic reflexes, keep the ball from going out the back of the net, but would play on the halfway line sometimes. It was just like nobody's ever seen anything like it. It was it was mm. it was game changing, literally game changing. And that off the back of that is where you've got this real kind of sweeper keeper now, a goalie that will play from the back and it all comes through that goalkeeper's the likes of Liverpool and Man City do it particularly well. But he was he was just another. He was the first real evolution of that sweeper keeper goalkeeper. And in his pomp, he was. He well, he was the best in the world at that moment in time. But in the in the all time list, he's got to be up there. He will be. He will be in the top five. Easily. Okay,
1: good stuff. We've got a couple of just very quick fire ones to finish. Do you think Wrexham will get promoted this season? Harry GV11. Yes, they will. Ben?
0: Yes, I think they will. Robo. Yeah, got a good chance. Yeah, yep. got a momentum. Momentum. Okay,
1: and then the final one is what's your go to takeaway order? Oh, Oh. chicken tikka masala, Indian.
0: Yeah. I'll go for Keem a vindaloo. Yeah, give me a War. give me an Indian. I'll go for an Indian yeah. keema I'll go Keem Keem somewhere Nol. down the middle. We'll go for a jalfrezi. A jalfrezi. Yeah, um there you go everybody. That was part two of the um what's it called? Get your questions Q in Q&A on Instagram. Yeah, it was good isn't it? Q&A. Yeah, we, we like doing these, we? Don't like, we? These. We like to you... shed we like to shed a little bit of light on uh, on the goings on in in football behind the scenes anyway. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the show and we will see you all very very soon. Robbo top man absolutely world-class insight. Yes. Tom well done mate see you soon Foscast up the Foscast up the Foscast, up the Foscast. did you just say Foscast
1: yeah huh, okay it's new <laughs> I like it <laughs> thanks everybody for watching we hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Foscast don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify up the Foscast